Why do you feel audio branding is important? What what purpose do you feel it serves? I think the most exciting thing for me is how much more immersive and interactive audio allows you to be with a brand, um, especially when you're in a remote case like we are now during quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if you look at new audio technology and smart speakers with with Alexa or or Google Assistant or Bigsby or even hearables and and wearables where you're able to kind of interact on a a deeper level in in expanded and merged realities what audio allows you to do is is have that emotional connection with a brand at home Welcome to Audio Branding, the hidden gem of marketing. I'm your host, Jody Krangle, and this podcast will discuss just how sound influences our behavior. I generally talk about this in the context of advertising and marketing, but there are other places this is important too. I really feel that it plays a much more important role in our lives than maybe we realize. So let's delve a little deeper. This is the first part of my interview with Eric C. From soldering circuit boards to sonically branding global corporations, my next guest has a deep understanding of the vertical market of sound. As co-founder and CXO of Audio UX, a next-gen audio branding agency, he's able to combine his passion for the artistic expression of music and the study of psychoacoustics. From the consumption of media and engaging with products to experiencing AR to XR, And by committing to research, education, and thought leadership surrounding the power of sound, he and his team are continuously pushing the limits of what is possible for the future of audio branding to create a better sounding world. When he's not developing audio identities, he can be found tinkering with vintage electronics and prototyping audio experiences for voice applications. His name is Eric C. And you can find Audio UX at auxnyc.com. I've been really looking forward to chatting with Eric since I first heard about his company, and I think you'll see why when you hear our discussion, because this is pretty much exactly what I wanted to talk about when I started this podcast. (laughs) So settle back and listen in. Thank you so much for talking with me today, Eric. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, We've had a couple of false starts here, but we'll we'll get right into it. Uh, And I I do want to ask how you guys are doing over there, because I know um, New York is, are you guys still on lockdown? For for AudioX, I'd say we're we're fairly lucky in that we, we were born online in a way before we founded our, our founders worked remotely before we opened up our studio in New York City anyway. So I'd say mm-hmm. all things considered, we're doing fairly well during quarantine. We're we're used to working remotely and and have all our our online systems set up to pass files back and forth and and to listen and stream things. So operationally we're we're in great shape and we're we're used to not seeing each other face to face every day anyway. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I think we're okay and and on top of that, there's still a big interest in in audio, and and brands are still interested in exploring their their audio identities, even as everyone adapts work from home as as the new normal. So mm-hmm. we're we're very lucky for that. 
Yeah. Yeah. I've been noticing a lot on the voice acting end of things that, you know, we're all working from home now too. So <laughs> definitely. And yeah. I hope there's still plenty of, of work going there on is. as, as there people is. make more messaging and. Yeah. The yeah. industries have changed. It's been interesting because uh, I used to do a lot of, yeah, I used to do a lot of tourism and hospitality and big gatherings and stuff like that. And of course, none of that is happening right now. So now mostly it's financial and healthcare. <laughs> yeah. Focusing you know? on the, yeah. the core, mm-hmm. the core attributes. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is and, and I'll, I'll take all the work I can get, you know, and, and I've had a studio at home for years and years now. So, <laughs> so for me, this is Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> but, that's great you know yeah, i have um I, I don't think the acoustics in my room are great i, I do wish i was recording this in the studio but mm. i do have my my fender roads here and mm-hmm. some synths on the wall so i'm i'm equipped yeah that's good <laughs> i was gonna ask you um how you got into this interest in audio in the first place i know you were a musician as well right yes and that's one of the unique I think identifiers too of AudioX is that our core founders and leadership are all musicians as well as as business owners. Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally, my origin story is a tale as old as time. You pick up a <laughs> guitar and then see if you can play those melodies on the piano. But I think really the the pivotal moment in my early education was studying music theory. And in in high school, and so in in AP music theory, that's when my brain started to piece together the whole problem solving aspect of music. And mm-hmm. so at that point, it was no longer about really what genre you listen to or what you play, but how all the pieces fit together. Mm-hmm. And it really inspired me to become more interested in and even more interested in math or more interested in, in writing, just because of how how the notes and everything fit together. And so naturally that led me to apply and, and get into Berkeley College of Music in Boston. And that's where mm-hmm. I actually met most of the, the current team of AudioX now. Yeah, my uh, Muse's Muse website, the songwriting resource I had for years and years and years that actually uh, was sponsored by Berkeley for a number of years. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, so I knew them pretty well over there. <laughs> Yeah, great. great school. Really fantastic school. So you learned a lot of stuff there. You had mentioned in uh, previous conversations that you took mm-hmm. psychology there. So yes, that really interests me As because a, the the melding of that, I'm I'm assuming, would go into the audio branding thing as well. Definitely. And and I, I didn't necessarily plan it at the time, but mm-hmm. I had a, a major in, in music business and management and a, and a minor in psychology. And, and so what that meant at Berkeley was psychology was more about obviously some basics in, in psychology and anatomy, but really about acoustics and, and psychoacoustics was the primary focus there. And one can of my professors... Can you like define psychoacoustics a little bit for, for, for me and for anyone listening, just so that we have that information? <laughs> sure. Um, it, at its simplest form, it's really how does music affect the brain. Mm-hmm. And so on the acoustic side, what are the the physics happening between audio waveforms and and how they operate and then on the on the psyche side is as they enter the brain what happens. Mm-hmm. And so there's 
obviously physical components to that as they enter the auditory cortexes of the brain through the temporal lobe. And then, but what does it do to your brain and your behavior once it gets there? Mm -hmm. And so um, I was lucky enough to be taught actually by Susan Rogers, who has a, a, some interesting different articles and, and podcasts actually out there in the audio branding world, as well as, as the Berkeley world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so, I, the, the name is actually familiar. <laughs> yeah. I've been hearing some things. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So. And so there, at the time there was not really a, a course and I'm not even sure if there is now particularly around audio branding or, or UX sound design or anything like that. So mm-hmm. I think it was just, serendipitous to begin tying those worlds together. Um, at this time, when I went to Berkeley in, um, in, in 2007, I went there. And so at this time, Spotify wasn't even really in the States yet. And mm-hmm. the whole music streaming world was about to be turned on its head. And, and people were still trying to figure out what music licensing meant in a, in a digital world. So music business for me at that point was not so much about the music business of of branding and audio, but more about IP and intellectual property in in a world of of digital streaming and and used through different mediums. So it was definitely an onboarding into how different contracts work in music and and how just things work on a on a business end. But that said, it wasn't until I just began my career that I really got into what we know now is audio branding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it, I imagine. So how did you start your company and what purpose did you want it to serve? Um, so, yeah, I, it took some years before we we found it, obviously. I I started off just interning for commercial music houses and, and going through that trajectory before ending up at audio branding even. So watching the whole commercial music industry shift more into the the library industry. So I was able to watch this custom compositional format turn more into a a, a pick and choose library type mm-hmm. deal. So th- that's part of why I even got into audio branding just in general, personally, it was then to be able to really create audio storytelling for, for a specific purpose instead of just writing to fill what was a maybe popular genre or or sound alikes. And so getting into audio branding from that perspective was a much bigger thrill when um I think I told you when we talked before I was able to hear a sound I had made on one of my friends' phones, which <laughs> yes, in a way very is cool. <laughs> almost as exciting as yeah, hearing your song on the radio or totally. in my case hearing music I'd composed for for some commercials. And so I definitely found my my niche at that point mm-hmm. and started to work with some of the the members I, I work with now at at AudioX and so I think what what ultimately led us to form this company is we'd all worked on on different aspects or different projects or or different avenues throughout the audio branding world and I think collectively we just saw that it needed it needed a bit of a a facelift or a rebrand in a way I think as as much as audio branding is buzzing right now and and as much as it's not necessarily a new a new practice because mm-hmm. if you look back all the way to the 1920s when the NBC 
chimes came out, you know, almost a hundred years ago now. Sure, yeah. Obviously it's not, yeah, obviously it's not quote unquote new, but I think in terms of a, a practice and, and, and process and in terms of quality control that definitely exists more on the, the visual end of, of graphic design and video animation and, and creating component libraries for, for visual branding, we didn't see as much of that organization. And I think audio had as much time to, uh, to catch up. And so that was one of the, the big principles behind AudioX was um, tying together some of those parallels. And, and obviously, even in, in the naming, in, in audio user experience, as opposed to just audio branding. And it was, it's meant to really focus on the end user how a user experiences audio in the context of a brand as opposed to, you know, audio branding is synonymous with an audio logo. In mm-hmm. A way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess uh, people sort of equate audio branding with sonic logos at the same yes. time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I why think do it's you... easy to. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. <laughs> well, it is the, a lot of the times, maybe even 90% of the times that is the right decision. But I think, for those other cases where it's not, and in in a world now where voice experiences are are just as important as as visual experiences, mm-hmm. I think that's where other audio assets or other manifestations of the audio identity, or even variations on the audio logo, not just a static logo, but a a more modular and and flexible system. I think that's really the important message behind that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess it it becomes pretty important as far as a company identity and understanding that company identity just by hearing it, uh, you know, really quickly. Are you looking for ways to improve your company's or podcast's impact? You'd be surprised how powerful the use of an intentional audio branding strategy can be. Want to know more? I have a free downloadable PDF that gives you my five tips for implementing an intentional audio strategy at voiceoversandvocals.com slash audio dash branding dash strategy. That location does ask to put you on a mailing list just to send you updates on when the new podcasts come out. But if you really don't want to give your email out, I understand. Just contact me directly. My email is all over my website and I'll make sure you get that PDF without needing to sign up anywhere. If you do sign up, though, you also get access to a resources section called The Studio, where I have videos, white papers and PDFs, discounts from my guests, and snippets of audio from my guests that no one else gets to hear. So maybe it's worth your while. Totally up to you. And of course, if you're looking for voiceovers, you can get in touch with me about that, too. Now, back to the podcast. I like what you talk about um, modular like because that's that's really a fascinating aspect. I guess the audio end of this can translate to people no matter what language they speak and different music tones and things like that work for different parts of the world. So you could have the same kind of notes, but maybe use different instruments in different parts of the world, um, you know, to relate to wherever the person hearing it is hearing it. <laughs> it's very true. It's actually something that MasterCard has been doing with their yes. audio branding right now, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. And, and yeah, in that way of modularity, they're, they're swapping out the audio aesthetic. So the, the core motif 
or the the melody they're playing remains the same. Mm-hmm. But what we call the audio aesthetic or the the skin or the the instrumentation used is what gets swapped out. And that's something that I think McDonald's does really well mm-hmm. where they have their five note mnemonic, but it's usually played in whatever instrumentation the rest of the commercials in. And so yeah. that's what keeps it evergreen in that sense. It makes there's, a lot of sense, yeah. There's other interesting things you can do modularly, one of which is more more of a an earcon or a UX sound, but also an audio logo is is something we did for an Alexa skill. Steven Arkanovich um developed the big sky weather skill for uh, for Alexa. And mm-hmm. what we did in that situation is there's already conditional variables built in to the framework. So it's already calling um some APIs to tell you what the weather is. And so depending on what it's serving back to you, you'll get a different sound. Now they're all based on the core audio logo, the, the same melody, but depending on what the weather is, sound of, of that weather will be layered in. So oh, I see. If it's, okay. Yeah. And so it that way within a split second, if you invoke the the Big Sky app, you can hear if there's rain layered underneath the logo, you already know from an earcon perspective that you know you should grab your umbrella instead of your sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, that's such a great idea. I guess in that way you can also go like major to minor. <laughs> you know, exactly. Would, yeah. <laughs> exactly. There, there's all kinds of things you can do as opposed to just playing that same audio file over and over again. Yeah. And audio cues are very, um, they tend to be universal. I guess we sort of understand that. I There are probably musical cues that um, people in other parts of the world would hear differently than what we do here in the West. So, yes. you know, th- but it's, you know, at least here, I guess, we all kind of have that same musical shorthand. So we tend Definitely. to... Yeah, we tend you to know, understand that. To that point, and it is a really interesting point and something we think about a lot between Western harmony practice and mm-hmm. and other microtonal elements, but one of the layers that's universal is what we call the skeuomorphic layer. And that's something that Apple does a lot of in their visual design. So the skeuomorphic design of a, a trash can icon looks like a, a trash can. And mm-hmm. so it's it's isomorphic in that sense of being the same association you'd have. And so even in the case of the the Big Sky audio logo slash UX sound we have in that in that hybrid use case, the skeuomorphic layer you hear is is a universal sound because it's just the sound of rain as opposed to yes. a melodic interpretation of rain, for example. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So is that the app that you were hearing from your friend's phone? <laughs> uh, no, not that, not that one. But um, <laughs> I'm curious I, now. <laughs> that that one I can't say. That's oh, okay. one of the the things of the the audio branding world is, you know, a lot of the projects are so synonymous with the brand itself that, um, you know, certain things you can talk about, certain things you can't. But you know, you hear sure. various ringtones or notification sounds and things like that. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have to ask, why do you feel audio branding is important? What what purpose do you feel it serves? I think 
the most exciting thing for me is how much more immersive and interactive audio allows you to be with a brand, um, especially when you're in a remote case like we are now during quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if you look at new audio technology and smart speakers with with Alexa or or Google Assistant or Bigsby or even hearables and and wearables where you're able to kind of interact on a a deeper level in in expanded and merged realities what audio allows you to do is is have that emotional connection with a brand at home and so mm-hmm. if you think about uh, one really funny thing um, that we were sharing around at, at AudioX is, is The Verge had posted an article about someone had cr- recreated the the atmospheric ambient sounds of the office workplace <laughs> as, a, <laughs> as a web app. So we all feel more and, at home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a super, super cute thing. But, um, you, you know, it struck a chord with us, obviously, because that's in, in essence what we do on a more branded scale. And that's a bit more universal in terms of just general office sounds of maybe the coffee percolator Mm -hmm. or printer or those, those kind of ambient white noise things in the background. (laughs) The printer jamming. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Maybe there's a a jamming version. and Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I guess some people like the, the media wallpaper that that gives them in a day. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. But when you when you look at that, you know, transformative and transportative, if that's even a word, uh, mm-hmm. experience, where you're able to transport yourself, it's something we did actually with with Pantone. And so, when we created the first ever sound of the color of the year, if you fast forward until now, um, you can invoke the sound of the color of the year Alexa skill and actually listen to the exclusive event ambient music that we created for the event. And so it allows you to have what was originally an exclusive experience now inclusively at home. That's really fascinating. How did you come up with a sound for a color? It's a great question. We, when we learned it was classic blue, natural associations come to mind. It is blues bluesy you know not necessarily um <laughs> yeah we you know alliterative alliteratively we we decided that b for blue is good and and also in scriabin's color circle uh b major also happened to align with blue and so interesting i guess psychoacoustically or, or musicologically it could be argued that it's not an exact parallel but when it comes to classic blue, taking a, a classical musician's approach to what blue was seemed like a good fit. Mm-hmm. And so that was our, or at least foundation of, of where should we even begin? Um, and then from there, went on to really explore with the Pantone team, what were the core attributes of, of what classic blue meant? And for a blue, is this a more of a bright sky or more of a, a deep, ocean and and so is it is it bright and cheery or is it more calm and ambient is what that would relate to and 
more of the latter ultimately. And, and so to, to go through each of those attributes and go through a, a custom audio mood boarding process to really triangulate where the sound could go. Um, and so once we established the general feel of the, the archetype of blue and having at least a, a key signature and framework to work in, what we do is it, it was a really unique time to be able to do audio branding for blue. So as opposed to audio branding for a brand, we were now doing our process for a color. Mm-hmm. So part of our process is about teamwork and sharing ideas. And again, this is so much different than the commercial music world I grew up in, where in a way you were siloed, you were tucked away to go write your version of the spot in one room where other composers will work on their versions of the spot in in other rooms. And then you all come together and, and one wins. Mm. And it was almost like a a competition every time. And Mm -hmm. while the competitive spirit is still there, it's really about doing better for yourself personally. And as opposed to just winning the spot and this way, everyone can really be involved in creating custom instruments that the winning not even the winning spot, but that might get used ultimately in the mm-hmm. piece of music. And so um, on our site right now, we actually have a blog post showcasing um, really the key composers that worked on this piece and how he and Vasu and Rob really generated some some beautiful sounds that we ended up using to to compose the piece of music. And so we also took took some time away from the city and went into the the calmer kind of secluded outer suburbs in in New Jersey actually and mm-hmm. in an old cottage and we're able to just out you know much quieter out there and and calmer to record a lot of these things um now in the in the spirit of collaboration too everyone was working in their own you know, cities or even countries. And so it was a global effort ultimately Mm -hmm. that a lot of the, some of the interesting things we were able to do there at the cottage was to record classical instruments in new and innovative ways, which was kind of the spirit of classic blue, very classic color, but represented in a, in a modern context. And so that became one of the foundational rules almost of each instrument and sample we created was in this case play the cello through a modular synthesizer and so you get this really interesting see, sounding yeah. effect yeah very and so interesting yeah in this case we're creating a what's ultimately the audio component library we create for a brand but we went so far as to really expand that and release all of those components and so we worked with the company Lander, the mastering platform that also has a variety of, of sample packs available. And the the three of us, um, which was, you know, Pantone and Huge and Lander and AudioX came together to, to actually release all those samples that ended up making the official piece Vivid Nostalgia for, for Classic Blue. And all those components were then used to create this completely immersive experience when we when we created for the launch event which was at art tech house in new york city and Mm -hmm. so that was a a 32 channel 
mix, which was really fun because as wow. you, <laughs> you go to the event and you see all the interactive murals on the wall and and all the different classic blue drinks and fabrics <laughs> and this and that. The full sound sensory experience. experience. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's great. And yeah, so we were so excited to to be the audio partner on that as mm-hmm. as classic blue extended to all the senses beyond just sight uh, and ultimately to sound. And so having the ability to to create that really immersive mix where depending on even where you walk through the space, the you perceive the the sound differently as as you hear different instruments more featured on one side of the room or upstairs or here or there. Yeah. And then ultimately we mixed that down to stereo so that people could could experience the ambience and and even loop it from home as they invoke the skill. And so really it's that taking that immersive nature of even that in-store event or that, you know, white glove experience you might get from going somewhere and being able to experience that at home. So that's I think that can kind of summarize why audio really makes such a big difference and why audio branding is important to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it should be important to uh, people who want a company to be memorable, too, because, wow, I'm sure Pantone is pretty happy with what happened there. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was it was a fantastic collaboration with everyone. This has been part one of our interview. I hope you'll tune in next week for part two. Well, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, why not tell a friend about this podcast? It's available on all the usual outlets. Until next time.